0: As you're seated, I want you to open your Bible and join me in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. I am grateful that God brought Cody to us. I'm grateful for our staff. I'm grateful for our deacon body who have been hitting it hot this week. And as many of you have just heard, these surgeries were not Small surgeries in a lot of these lives, these were life changers, and I'm grateful for the ministry that I saw taking place many miles away, uh, and I'm, I thank the Lord for you. I want ask you a question. When was the last time you heard the voice of God? Now, don't hit me with, Brother Greg, God doesn't speak audibly. Well, he hasn't spoken audibly to me, but he's spoken to me. I guess the question would be, does God still speak? And if he does still speak, when was the last time I heard from him? I mean, I know when I was saved, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me of my sin and came into my heart. But brothers and sisters, God continues to speak. And my question is, when was the last time he spoke to you? Christian, when was the last time he spoke to you? Here's what you get when you travel with four grandsons for a week of vacation to the beach. We watched Shark Week the entire week. Those uh, documentaries spoke to my heart when I would get knee deep in calm water. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, there is a devil that is after you that you cannot see. He knows where you're at and how to trip you up and how to get you in low water thinking you're just fine. And he'll eat your lunch when your back's turned. That's why we need the Lord to continually speak to our lives. And I'm glad this morning we have the word of God, amen. Because when the word of God begins to speak through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's brokenness over sin. Listen to me, not just somebody else's sin, my sin. My sin. There's a contrite heart that's sorry for how I've grieved God. Uh, there's a tear running down your cheek or my cheek over the pain of sin. The family I love with all of my heart is hurting this morning unbelievably. And I'm telling you, where we have the privilege to run to is at the foot of the cross that we just sung about. Where the Lord Jesus Christ can carry you through anything and there's nothing that catches him off guard. So here we are in Exodus chapter 19. If the Lord tarries, this is gonna be the plan, okay? Hey, the early service was unbelievably asleep. They were just tired. So I need need it out of you this morning, If you're with me, say amen, okay? I need it out of you, okay? If the Lord allows, here's what's gonna happen. Next Sunday morning, we're gonna begin a journey through the book of John, the Gospel of John. And I'm not gonna say when we're gonna finish it and how quick it's gonna happen. We're gonna let the Lord do that. And Bo and Don Hall, who are here this morning, most of you know, they live in Florida. That's their residence and they come home to Ohio in the summer and then go back And their pastor in Florida has been preaching through John. And I think Don may have said John 10. He's at John 10. And we have a tendency, I think, when we get so familiar with things to kind of tune out. But I need you to tune in. And if the Lord allows, we're going to start next Sunday morning the journey through John. And here's what we find out in John. It always leads to Jesus. It always leads to Jesus. Today we're in Exodus chapter 19, and guess what Exodus 19 leads to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. So on Wednesday nights, we're going to look at the Ten Commandments, and I hope you'll mark your calendar. Folks, this is my goal for Wednesday night worship, that it turns into a full-blown worship service. We begin with prayer, and, and we come together with some excitement. not all. Oh, it's Wednesday breaking up my week. I've got to go to church. It's in the middle of summer. Uh, Let let me tell you something. There is a King of kings and Lord of lords who, if he wanted to, could drive us to our knees anytime he wanted. But he allows us to choose to worship him. And here's what we want to do we want to hear the voice of God. We want to hear the voice of God. And I really do believe he still speaks. Number one, we have his word. Amen. He speaks through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here in Exodus chapter 19, preparing the people for the Ten Commandments, we recognize that God has given Moses a unique position, and that is to represent God to the people and the people to God. Father, have your way this morning in this passage. Help us rightfully divide the word of truth. In your name we pray, amen. Exodus 19, 1, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down just a little bit and then, and, and then jump to a verse, but here we go. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. So they make this southern Sinai Peninsula trek, okay? For they had departed from Rephidim. That was a place where God said, camp here. And they had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, "'Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, "'You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, "'and brought you to myself. "'Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, "'then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. "'And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation.'" These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Circle the word all. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the people all around saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Jump down to verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly." And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai and on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord. Many of them will perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves. Let the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds across the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down and then go up, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. And then we move into chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Does God still speak? Now, in this passage, we're reminded that God reminds the people of Moses, with Moses' voice, Moses' leadership, how I have been faithful to deal with you in the past. How I've delivered you through whatever has happened up to this point. And I've got a purpose for you. You know, this morning when you woke up, there's a purpose for your life. Uh, Do do you ever feel that way? Like, man, I, I don't... I just want to survive today. Does, does anybody ever get to that point in life? I, I just want to make it through today, survive. But sometimes God in his grand design, he's got some, some route. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the message. But he's got something for us that we don't even plan on or we can't even see coming for his glory. So let me give you just a, a little synopsis of what we just read. Three months after leave, leaving Egypt, Israel arrives at what's called the foot of Mount Sinai. Three times Moses goes up to hear God speak. He would be what's called a mediator between God and man. And God lays all these expectations out for Moses and his people. And in essence, he calls them to live holy lives. He calls them to live holy lives. But make sure you understand something. The mountain is off limits to you. The only way you come is if you're invited. And he warns them not to treat this promise like every other thing in their life. So what do they do? They agree to meet at the foot of the mountain. They camp at the foot of Mount Sinai. Now, uh, jot this down or listen carefully. If they were gonna get to the promised land their lives would be full of plenty of seas to cross and mountains to climb. And brothers and sisters, you and I are on this thing called the journey of life, and there are gonna be plenty of seas to cross and mountains to climb. Sometimes it's, it's insurmountable. There's no way I can go forward But what does God do from the mountain? He speaks to Moses and deals with the people. I don't know about you, but when I'm I'm on a mountaintop uh, experience, uh, man, you're riding high. But I would dare say that most of us, many of us in this room this morning, maybe don't feel like we're on the mountaintop, man. We're in the valley. We're in the valley. And when we can't see what God's doing, uh, I I talked to somebody today that said, I'm just just seeking God. I'm just trying to find out what God's plan is. The good news is God has never been wringing his hands. He's never been worried about what he's gonna do with your life. He simply wants you to trust him for the whole journey. Years ago, we went to Hawaii um, 10 years ago. I turned 50 and and we were able to go to Hawaii and as soon as we got there, I bought a Hawaii Five-0 shirt. And uh, we took something called the Road to Hana, big tourist thing around Maui. I forget how many hundreds of, uh, I forget how many hundreds of turns there are and uh, you can't take a rented vehicle, Uh, it's that bad and uh, everything okay, J- Jason, we all right? Okay. Uh, you couldn't take a rented vehicle because of the liability, so uh, we took this 25-passenger bus, and folks, I was never so glad to put my feet on soil when we finished in all of my life. Why, Brother Greg? Because there were so many turns. It was just survival. And some of you might be here today and you're thinking, you know what, I'm at the foot of the mountain and I don't understand what's going on and I sure would like to climb up but I need to recognize that God has a purpose and a plan and I need to follow his instructions. So God uses Moses as this mediator. Now, it's a lesson for us because it's a picture of who Jesus is in our lives Listen to what the Bible says. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. What are you saying, Brother Greg? A mediator. A mediator is one who reaches both parties and in between. And brothers and sisters, when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and as we step into the the gospel of John and recognize right from the beginning that Jesus was God in the flesh, Let us be reminded that there is a holy God, the God-man, who reaches you from heaven. Who reaches you so you can have a relationship with a holy God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter eight, now this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest, thereby say Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of heaven, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also having something to offer, for if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying that a priest on earth was a picture of Jesus. Of what was to come, the heavenly. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. The God man, Jesus. So what did he do? First of all, he satisfied the requirement of God. wrath on sin. The Bible calls that he was a propitiation for our sin. Romans 3, 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Jesus. You see, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come to God this morning to worship him, we're blessed to have a high priest who makes intercession for us to a holy God. So what are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying you don't pray through Brother Greg to get to God. You don't pray through a man. Your high priest is the Lord Jesus Christ. Years ago, and don't ever ask me to do this again, years ago, early in ministry here, someone asked me if I would help in a Catholic wedding. Don't ever ask me to do that again. First of all, when I got there, I felt unbelievably underdressed. Secondly, it was just kind of confusing. You you see, oftentimes a person thinks I can confess my sin to another man and he can relay it to God. According to the word of God, the king of glory stepped out of heaven to bridge the gap for you to go to God. So when I pray to God to forgive me of my sin, I'm praying through the Lord Jesus Christ, my high priest, a better covenant. And folks, listen to me, listen to me. We can spend our entire lives trying to get to God by doing a bunch of stuff, but let me tell you, Jesus reached down, Tim, you used to sing, when he reached down his hand for me. He reached for me, so that I could have a relationship with the Holy God. You see, when you look at what Moses did, he was the mediator between God and man, Aren't you glad that the God-man, God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, bridges the gap? But he also came to reconcile men to God. Now, mark your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Everybody go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're with me, say amen. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love this chapter. But listen to some of these verses. Let's start with uh, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're glad this morning that there's some nonsense in your past that has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, say amen. 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 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Imputing is an accounting term to add to your account. Okay? Not adding to their account their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The God-man, the propitiation for our sin to satisfy the Father, to reconcile us to a holy God. But today, Jesus's ministry continues. And it continues in what we would call the ministry of intercession, our high priest. So folks, when you go to Lord, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as a believer, if you confess your sin, let me, let me tell you something. God doesn't hear you based on the fact that you and me deserve it. He hears it based on the fact that his son has paid the price. How many of you know what a party line is? Party lines were weird. I mean, it was, uh, we didn't have one in in Dayton, but my granny and Papaw had one in Tennessee. And it's like, hello, Sarah? You know, you never know who was on the line. And you never know who was talking. And uh, the other day, Ernest easily called me and we talked 38 minutes on a cell phone. After I hung up, I said, 38 minutes? Men don't do that. What's wrong with me, you know? uh, And I thought, remember, a party line, Stephanie, if you, you could take up the line for 38 minutes, and somebody would get on you don't know and say, hey, Stephanie, get off, I need to use the phone. Folks, let me tell you something, God is never busy. Our king is never too busy for your life. And you might be here today and feel like, God doesn't, Greg, you don't understand what I'm going through. God doesn't even, he's not, I'm not even i am not even a blip on his radar. Oh, yes, you are. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your DNA is different than anybody else's. God created you special. And listen, just as Jesus came to be the propitiation for our sin and to reconcile us toward God, let me tell you what your purpose is. God created you to have a relationship with him. And sin separated it. He wants you back. And he made a way. He made a way. We're on our our way to the beach. And uh, if you've ever been 64, 77, you know those are toll roads. You better have 12, 75 in your pocket if you want to get home. And uh, three tolls. And on the way down, all of a sudden, it started telling me to get off 64. I said, Renee, we don't get off 64. She goes, well, that's the way it's telling us. And we hit that little detail thing and all of a sudden I realized, oh, it's taken us on the route where you don't have to pay a toll. And then we kind of straightened it out and clicked it back and it, it added, it took off 30 minutes from our trip. But you're gonna have to pay the price. Listen to me, Jesus paid the price that you owe and he did it with love and he did it knowing everything about you, everything about me and he did it in love and he didn't leave us alone. He ascended to heaven, he sits at the right hand of the Father and he, and he reminds us of this new covenant, this better way in Hebrews chapter 12. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Listen to me, your holiness on your own will fall far short. You'll never get to heaven based on that. But your holiness in Jesus Christ as the propitiation for your sin is exactly what God had to have for us to go. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks of better things. That's a good word. That's a good word. He gives us a promise that we can count on, that we can trust in, and that we can have hope. And he says, because I've called you, your life should look a little different. If you look at back in Exodus chapter 19, verse six, the Bible says, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the kingdom of Israel. If you look at 1 Peter chapter two, We hear some of the same wording, but now we're talking to the church. We're talking to the believer. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Why is it acceptable to God? Because Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. He's what God had to have. First Peter 2.9, but you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness in the marvelous light. Psalm 135, verse four says, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, for his special treasure, for his special treasure. Let me give you some things to take home with you this morning. Here's the first one. Moses was all in. Number one, if leaders are not committed, we're foolish to think that those we lead will commit. If leaders aren't committed, we're foolish to think that those we lead will commit. Moses was all in. It it didn't say that he understood everything. It didn't say that it was all easy, that it was all crystal clear. But by faith, he was simply trusting God to keep his promise to lead them to the promised land. Now, look at verse eight. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will do. The people respond in unison. We're all in. We're all in. We're all in. And folks, make sure you understand something. Words are cheap because in not too long here, as you look in Exodus, they're at the foot of the mountain playing games and making graven images because God didn't answer them as quick as they thought he should. Number two, look at verse 11. And let them be ready for the third day. Uh, Go back to 10. Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Number two, God wants you to prepare yourself for his mighty work. He wants us to prepare ourselves, to get ready, to put ourselves in a position to hear from God. Uh, how do we do that? Well, first of all, by asking him to cleanse us, to remove the sin of my life. Uh, secondly, by, by not treating uh, my faith like everything else. That's what, uh, that's what coming to the foot of Mount Sinai is all about. Don't you treat this like everything else in your life. We're talking about a holy God. We're talking about a holy God. He says, on the third day, man alive, something miraculous, miraculous and historical and supernatural also took place on the third day. Anybody wanna say amen? Luke 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared but they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, and then it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Folks, let me tell you something. They're saying, why in the world are you seeking a living savior in a tomb? He is alive. He's alive. He's not here, but he's risen. Remember what he said to you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. I praise the Lord for the third day. And God's calling some of us to get ready. Get ready. You know, Paul, as he wrote, Luke, as he wrote Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we read about Paul's life being changed in the book of Acts. Do you remember what chapter one said? Until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Jesus not only arose, he's coming again. And man alive, we live our lives as if it's the furthest thing from our mind. Keep in mind... Paul was looking for the return of Christ as he wrote. Luke was looking for the return of Christ as he wrote Acts. You and I are closer to the return of Jesus Christ than anyone in human history because we're breathing. And if God so tarries and we live tomorrow, we'll be closer tomorrow than we were today. Jesus is coming again. Number three, nothing can replace the power of God. God can do anything he wants. God, as I mentioned earlier, could drive us to our knees anytime he wanted to do that. But he allows us to say yes. I need that. I want that. Thank you, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit for speaking and convicting. Squire Parsons sang the old song, he came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Me. Nothing can replace the power of God. Now listen to me carefully. When God moves in your life, he may choose to wreck your life. He may choose to wreck your plans. He may choose to reroute the GPS of your life. But make sure you understand something. God's way for your life is much better than anything you can create. You say, really, Greg, how do you know that? I know that. He did did it in my life, and he's done it in many lives, his place, today. He may may rearrange the furniture of your life, cause you to run into it from time to time because you're not used to it. But his plan is a good plan. He may want to get your priorities in order. He may want you to recognize what he has is better for you than what you have It reminds me of a story of a little boy who went into a local store with his mom and the shop owner was a kindly older man and he had seen him before and he passed him a jar of suckers and the little boy just put his hands in his pockets and backed away. And it kind of took the owner of the store back a little bit but he just took the lid off and put his hand in it and gave the little boy the suckers. When they got outside, uh, the mom said, son, why did you act so weird in there? Why did you not extend your hand? And he said, because, Mom, I know that his hand is much bigger than mine. And that's the way it is with God. That's the way it is with God. Now, verse 13 mentions a trumpet. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Now, aren't you glad that the trumpet's used over a 100 times in Scripture? It's used at the walls of Jericho for the walls to fall down. Aren't you glad it talks about the coming of Christ? 1 Thessalonians 4:16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians 15. In a moment, a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. What's he reminding us to do here? To count our blessings. Jesus not only rose from the grave, he's coming again. And folks, the greatest thing we could do in this life is to be ready when he comes. And I'm telling you, we live in a world full of procrastination, do we not? We put everything off. You'll find yourself doing that through life. Oh, I don't want to go to the dentist. I, I don't want to go to the doctor's appointment. Uh, you know, I, I can't go for my annual physical because I haven't been fasting and I haven't been running and I haven't been, you know. It seems like every year my doctor asks me, uh, Jason, for um, what are my goals? And, and now I just don't say, same as last year. You know, same as last year. Well, what's changed? What's changed? Let me tell you something, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, it should look different. Now don't get me wrong, you're not saved by how you act, you're saved by what took place in your heart, what Jesus did for you, by the cross of Calvary, the Lord, death, burial, and resurrection. Don't you measure how good you think you are based on someone else. Don't you measure your life next to some sorry Christian who talks a big game on, during the week at work, but they never once talk about being faithful to the local church. Your standard is a holy God. He's called you to live for him, and you can do that even if the world says no to Jesus. Does God still speak? Oh yeah, he still speaks. Hey, do you hear, do you hear that voice of that little baby? He spoke into the darkness. I bring you good tidings of great joy to all people. He still speaks, he still speaks. Let me remind you of something and then we'll go. Four things we need to be reminded of this morning or a few things. First of all, I'm in trouble. What? Yeah, we all are. We're sinners separated from God. We're all in the same boat. Got good news for you. Jesus is the answer. He's what the world's looking for. You'll say, Brother Greg, we come to church every Sunday and we've heard good preaching. Man, we heard good preaching last week from Cody and, and, and we're here for you. We're, we're all in. Folks, I'm not asking uh, to, the Lord to give me a, a big church, I'm asking the Lord to make sure that we're all going to heaven together. Doesn't matter what I think, it matters what God knows. I'm in trouble. Jesus is the answer. If your life has been radically changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, shout amen, amen. Amen. The third one, he arose victorious over the grave. He didn't stay dead. He laid down his life willingly, the Bible says, and he took it up willingly. Those Roman soldiers thought they had him, boom, but there was one who was watching the whole thing and recognized that that was the savior of the world who was dying for him too. You know what I also love about something I need to be reminded of? He not only uh, recognized that I'm in trouble, I'm, not only that he saved me as a 14 year old boy, that one day he's coming again. He arose victorious, he's coming again. And because he's coming again, heaven is ahead. Heaven is ahead. Christian, don't you bury your head in the sand. Don't you have some pity party that uh, the culture is anti-Christian, you live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You love people, love them right where they're at. You can't change anybody. You love them right where they're at and the Holy Spirit can change anybody. What did the one fellow say? I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. That's the good news, that's the good news. Hey, does Jesus still speak? Is he speaking today? Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.